It's that time of year when we're hyper-focused on what we're eating or not eating, what diet to follow, what foods to add to your shopping cart, what drinks to avoid. The list you'll find, though, and there's a ton of them out right now, are all focused on topics related to your physical health, like weight loss. But no one is talking about what you should and shouldn't be eating for your mental wellness. So in today's episode, we're sharing five of the worst grocery items for your mental health. And they're not necessarily what you'd expect, like chips or frozen pizza. Let's dive in. Well, it's that time of year where pretty much everyone is hyper-focused on what they're eating. What diet to follow, what foods to add to your shopping cart, or what not to buy, what not to eat. For example, here's some headlines that grabbed our attention this week. The nine best diets for weight loss in 2022 according to U.S. News & World Report. The 16 best store-bought keto snacks money can buy. Eight frozen breakfasts this registered dietitian buys on repeat. There are so many out there right now. Just lists of what you should and shouldn't eat. I mean, everything on the internet feels like a list of what you should and shouldn't be eating or drinking. Yeah. Right now. It's, there, I've been doing a lot of clicking, but it's also exhausting. Yeah, they are intriguing. Sometimes I have to mm-hmm. click on them. Like, mm-hmm. I would click on that eight frozen breakfast foods this registered dietitian buys and repeat. Oh, yeah. I did. You I did? did. I, yeah. I don't remember all of them, but I definitely remember seeing some that I was like, ooh. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for license to put that in my shopping cart. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, some of my best most um, articles that have gotten the most traction are ones where I'm like, top 20 anti-inflammatory foods at Aldi, at Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah. I think we all just like lists. Well, and it's easy in that sense. It just simplifies it. And if you're gonna going to go to that store already, you're like, oh, okay, great. Or oh, I actually did read one about Aldi this week, and I thought, oh, this is a great reason for me to get back into that Aldi habit that I used to have See? that I don't have anymore. So those of us who are writing them should get a kickback Seriously. from Aldi. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what we started to notice is. They're all focused on your physical health in some capacity, like leaving your arthritis. Most of them right now are weight loss. Yes. Um, and next month we'll be hearing about heart health because February yeah, is yeah. heart health awareness. And yes, exactly. So very much physical health. Yeah. None of them are talking about what you should be doing or eating or drinking or not eating or drinking for your mental health. It's true. I I feel like I've seen more lifestyle type stuff or work-life balance type stuff for mental health. But I'm with you. Nothing on what to eat or not or what to drink or not for your mental wellness. Yes. Which is what brought us to today's topic of conversation. And, okay, let's face it. This time of year, our mental health is really important. So I I, I just dread this time of year. I dread January to early March. Dread it. It's cold. The days are short. Yeah. Yeah. And now, of course, with another. And you have all these new health things that you're supposed to be doing, but then, and you're real gung-ho at first, and then it's cold, and it's. It's just depressing. And there's we're going to talk in another episode about seasonal depression, but that is real. It is. It's very, very real this time of year. I actually saw a light. I was I was talking about this earlier. I saw a little light at Walmart. Uh, I've always wanted to try those. And I've always wanted to try them too, but I thought they were insanely expensive. And then when I saw one at Walmart, which I was at Walmart looking for 
COVID tests because you can't find them anywhere. <laughs> so I thought I would just go on a mission and try to find some. Didn't work. Anyway, but I can't saw... can't believe you went to Walmart. I know. I know. You are desperate for COVID tests. I was. So anyway, they sell the lights. Okay. Which Good to know. I was excited about. Anyway. Back to our topic. Back to our topic. None of them are talking, all these lists, none of them are addressing mental health. Yes. At all. None. Which is sad for the sake of our podcast so we're gonna do it sad for everybody that's true and okay so i read this this like internet rumor that the third monday in january apparently is the most depressing day of the year and it's referred to as blue monday did they make this up i mean i kind of believe it but i feel like okay now i'm gonna feel like i'm really depressed on blue monday i mean like well, what what makes the third Monday in January more blue than the third Monday in February? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to look into that. But I also did read that it was some PR stunt. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, this is a rumor. But still, obviously, if it's a rumor or a PR stunt, if anybody out there has heard that January, the third Monday in January is the most depressing day of the year, now is the time to talk about what you should and shouldn't be eating for your mental wellness. Yes. And I just want to say, I hate lists where it's obvious. You know, you know exactly what they're going to say. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we are not about to say potato chips or... Fritos. Fritos or frozen pizza or Little Debbie's. We're True. not. We're, we tried to find some examples, some products, actual products that... You know, like we actually buy sometimes that sound or that sound pretty healthy. Yes, exactly. How many so, did we end up coming up with today? I know we had aimed, we had aimed for a nice round number. We got five. Five. All right. So number one, uncured bacon. I I, I think there was a collective I groan. Uh, yeah. I really, I really, I didn't suggest this one. I mean, I didn't want to put bacon on the list. Well, I'm just glad that it's not hot dogs, although hot dogs do fall in this category. Hot dogs are probably worse than uncured bacon, (laughs) probably. Okay, but let's get into why. So we've talked on the podcast before about how there's this association between um, people who eat processed and red meats and their risk of depression. We've definitely covered that in more than one episode. Now, there's also been some research. It was published in 2020. The study was done at Johns Hopkins, and it looked specifically at compounds in processed meats, which are called nitrates, and they're the ones that have pretty much gotten, like, the bad the bad rap in processed meats. Like, they're why yeah. processed meats can be so harmful to our health. A lot of cancer pointing at nitrates. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... What this study found was that the nitrates actually, the more nitrates people consumed, they were at a higher risk of mania. Mania? Yeah, which is a a part of, you know, that's the high part of bipolar, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're the extremes, so that's the high. Could it, this cause mania if you don't have bipolar? If you aren't bipolar? You know, I didn't see that part in the study, 
I feel like that would be a huge leap because they didn't look at cause and effect. They just looked at association. Gotcha. And so what they found was when they were looking at hospitalizations for mania, ah. those people were more likely to have had takes of processed yeah, meats. Yeah, like nitrate, you know, processed meats, ah. which have nitrates in them in their diet. Well, what I thought was interesting that they mentioned in this study was that nitrates have been deemed the most harmful to mental health. I guess one of the most harmful food additives. Wow. Yeah. I missed that part. So, but why uncured? Because, you know, even I, for a long time, thought that was the healthier choice. And, you know, not that we eat bacon a ton, but I I still, like, if I buy bacon, I buy uncured. Right. So, and... And I would say I feel like everyone in my in my like circle always has that same exact assumption, right? And I did too for a long time until a while ago I was working on a story and and I kind of got to the bottom of it. So the thing about un about any type of processed meat that's labeled uncured is that that's actually a label that FDA requires those food producers to put on their food. Now the reason why they do that is because th- they are still curing their meat. They're still adding a form of nitrates, but it's a natural form that's being extracted from, like, celery juice. So the label uncured just indicate indicates it has nitrates, but a, a natural, natural form. form. A naturally derived form. So instead of being, like, chemically synthesized, it's being extracted from something Got like it. celery juice. And you might think a natural form is better, but the problem is when you combine any kind of nitrate with the protein. Right. Exactly. And then let it sit there a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's that whole curing process. Yeah. Right? So anyway, it's it's not to say that your cured bacon is any better for you. It was more that this was a great way for us to explain the difference between yeah. what those terms mean. And just because it says uncured doesn't necessarily make it healthier. Yeah. Now, I have admitted to you before that I do love a hot dog. And so I don't want people to think that mm. they can't eat uncured bacon or hot dogs or even their favorite Lunchables. But the point is, is that like, particularly if you are concerned about your mental wellness, let's not make a practice of eating them on the regular. Yes. They are supposed to be a special occasion item. And even when it comes to cancer, same thing. Yeah. Like special occasion item. Yeah. Yeah, and so under this label, we're calling uncured bacon, nitrates are the problem, both natural and synthetic or chemical. So under this label, we've got hot dogs, your processed deli meats, um, any kind of cured meat, and like you said, Lunchables. Yes. Which I swear, like, my kids, when they were little, begged me for it. Like, that was all they wanted, me to just buy Lunchables, because I was in... I was the mean dietitian mom who wouldn't buy it. Right. You know, my kids, I made the fake ones. Like, oh, I made, yeah. yeah. Like, you they did a DIY. That. They don't uh-huh. want that. No, because that's not what their friends had. Yeah. It's funny. My kids have never asked me for Lunchables. That's great. Well, who knows why? Okay, Carolyn, what is our second food? Number two? Yeah. Well, I'm embarrassed to say I just, or I bought this a couple of weeks ago because my daughter asked me for it. <laughs> So, Lipton Diet Green Tea. I think we got the citrus, but I think there's also a mixed berry. There's several flavors, but it's a green tea. So I was thinking, okay, that, this, this has got to, this is a little better than a soft drink. 
Yeah, especially you know? because we know that green tea has like really good for you compounds in there. Right. And the one that I can't say, but the uh, ECGC or yeah, EGCG, you know, that one, yeah. EPO, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Well, I don't know if the good compounds in the green tea can cancel out some of the other stuff. Um, the Lipton Diet green teas contain not one, but two different artificial sweeteners. And the primary one that's a problem is aspartame. Joy. I know. I was surprised. Um, I was kind of expecting Lipton to have like maybe stevia or something in there. Um, but again, why you need to look at the levels. But the problem with aspartame is that it elevates levels of phenylalanine and aspartic acid in the brain. Now, I know people don't care about yeah, that. I, I, you need to explain that one to me, but too. But those compounds in, um, prevent the brain from making and releasing key neurotransmitters like dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin yeah all those that we always talk about as being so good. they block the production and release of those aspartame also acts as a chemical stressor um, it increases cortisol levels and it causes the excess production of free radicals now where that may come into play is if you already have a little existing inflammation so if you already have any type of mental health condition, yes, right? You yes. are, you are going matter to have some level, brain inflammation. The free radicals are going to amp up that inflammation. But then I've looked a little closer at some of the research, and I found two really interesting studies. So there was a study, I think it was about 2012, 2013, and they had two groups. One group that had a high aspartame diet for eight days, one group that had a low aspartame diet. And they compared them. They just, they all had the same, you know, foods and stuff. And they looked at the differences at the end of those eight days. The ones consuming the high aspartame diets, those people had cited more irritability and exhibited more depression than the ones who'd had the low aspartame diet. And I want to point out the ones that consumed the high aspartame diet, the amount that they consumed was still well below the maximum amount that is deemed safe safe by fda yeah okay yeah yeah so at that level not that this necessarily means much to people but just for a reference point the maximum acceptable daily level is 40 to 50 milligrams per kilogram of body weight and the highest level in the study was 25 milligrams per kilogram of body so weight. so not even close to yeah but it was the other, another study that I found that really kind of blew my mind. This one blew my mind when you told me about it. Now, it's it. an older study from 1993. But this study took 40 people with depression and 40 people without depression. And they put them in groups. It was a randomized, double-blind trial. A.K.A. a gold standard. Yeah. And of a they trial. either got aspartame or they got confectioner sugar. I want to be in the confectioner sugar group. <laughs> And this went on for 20 days. However, it did not go on 20 days because the study had to be stopped after only 13 participants completed the trial due to the severity of the reactions in the depressed patients who got the aspartame. Wow. I know. Yeah, and an NIH, another NIH study found that addition of artificial sweeteners was associated with a higher risk of depression. Um, and it was not associated when you added, um, they were looking at adding artificial sweeteners to coffee and tea. 
when you added sugar or honey to coffee or tea, they did not have a higher risk of depression. What I'm hearing is if you're predisposed to having any type of mental illness or you're even predisposed to having inflammatory conditions because, you know, inflammation doesn't necessarily um, – what is the word I'm looking for? It doesn't necessarily, like – differentiate or or um, target specific parts of the body always like chronic inflammation can be everywhere that perhaps choosing something that has aspartame in it is really only has the potential to exacerbate and particularly like if you are at risk or you um, are currently suffering from something like parkinson's Mm. or alzheimer's Mm -hmm. but i mean um but really any kind of you know i'm assuming that would be like add and you know bipolar and um well, Lots and aspartame is in other drinks. Like, you know, it is in some of your cola, your diet cola products. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, yes. Let me get to the second part. There's one more. There's another artificial sweetener in this Lipton green tea. And then I'm going to confess what soft drink it is. Both of these are in that I drink. It's um, this artificial sweetener is abbreviated ACE K, mm-hmm. and it's a common. It's commonly used. It's considered safer than aspartame. When as when you know people started wanting not wanting food or drink with aspartame, a lot of consumers took the aspartame out and instead put ACE K and sucralose or Splenda together. Yes, to replace it. Yes. So, but. Some research suggests that ACE-K disrupts those gut microbes, and we know how connected they, you know, the gut is to the brain. But then also ACE-K is considered a carcinogen by most people, but it's deemed safer. It can be used according to the FDA. So, you know, but it's technically it's considered safer. I wish people could see the look on my face right now. I just realized that it's just this very, you know, disgruntled look on my face. Yeah. So basically, this was a good lesson to me because I never would have expected that Lipton green tea to have aspartame. I expected it to have sucralose, um, which is Splenda. I expected it to have stevia or monk fruit, but not aspartame. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of your look at your diet soft drinks, if you, de- you know, if you drink diet soft drinks, because they're usually going to have a combination of sweeteners and one of them may be aspartame. Now, really, a lot of the research suggests that any artificial like chemical sweetener may not be great for your gut health. Right. Yeah. Aspartame is probably the big one to stay away from. And a like, quick thing I want to point out, because I, I feel like I... I don't have a lot of friends who would say, oh, yeah, I drink soft drinks, diet or regular, with great regularity. Like, they would say, I enjoy it as a treat or whatever. But then you go out to dinner or you go to a bar, and a lot of times folks will choose to mix a diet soft drink with their cocktail or you know not that there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying, like, even if you're sitting here thinking, like, oh, I don't do that, I mean – do you choose even to order a diet tonic? We didn't look into tonics, but the whole point oh, is, yeah. like, let's it, just be mindful yeah. of the fact of that maybe you're sneaking in a diet soft drink somewhere that you don't inherently think yeah. of. And just look at them because they do differ. Like, they do, diet hugely, Coke differs yes. from Coke Zero. Yes. And I, I mean, that's one I, I just like, like a mini Coke Zero. Oh, I wish that Most mornings. I wish that people could see the look on your face I when know. you're really craving one and then you get one. I mean, the sheer joy 
that just appears little, on your face. Little. Just so. a little kick. Okay, Briarly, what's number three? Well, let's stay in the drink category. Okay. All right, and let's talk about energy drinks. Okay, like those monster ones. Yeah, any I don't of them. Even, know the brand. even the little shot ones that you can get at the gas station, right? I don't believe I've seen those. Oh, like the 24-hour energy? Yeah, the ones that say oh. five-hour energy. I drank one of those once. You did? Once, yes. It was the equivalent of giving me a an Adderall. Yeah, I was about to say. Yes, I was about to say you bought it because you have ADD and yeah. diagnosed. And my brother, who went undiagnosed with ADD for years, and he realized later, like in hindsight, he medicated himself with caffeine yeah. because it, it may for people who aren't familiar with ADD, a stimulant will calm an ADD person down. Yes. And caffeine's a stimulant. Yes. Okay. I think, and you even said this, uh, well, this seems so obvious. Why are we even talking about energy drinks, right? Because they're like, duh. often loaded with added sugars in all forms, right? You know, artificial, natural, yeah. all of those. They also have added herbs and other ingredients that most Ginseng. people are like, what is this? How do I say this? What does this do to my body? Ma hung. Right. I don't even know if right. I'm saying that right. So every, me neither. So everybody's expecting us to say, oh, don't drink this because of the sugar and the ingredients you don't know about. All right. Now I'm not going to say ignore that. Those are valid points that people make. However, the main reason that, that I wanted to put this one on the list is for the caffeine content. Here's the challenge with energy drinks is that oftentimes energy drinks are made with both a natural source of caffeine, so like a green tea, or maybe there's a coffee flavor in there, or there's a cola flavor in there, or there's um, an herb that's added that's a natural stimulant. But then some also add straight-up caffeine to the product. And there's a loophole. Again, I feel like I'm the FDA police today. I did not know about this until you shared this with me earlier. Yes. I was not aware. So tell them. There's a loophole when it comes to labeling caffeine. So when there is a natural source of caffeine, so think about like your coffee, right? Or even your hot chocolate. So like the green tea and that energy drink. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't. They don't have to count that into the caffeine. They don't have to count that into the caffeine. They don't have to label that on the nutrition facts panel so they only have to when you see the caffeine on there that could likely be only the added caffeine correct and some of that is even voluntary because if a a lot of energy drink makers or i don't want to say a lot because i don't know for certain but some energy drink makers actually sell their products as a as a supplement instead of as a food, which is a whole other category, as you know, in in the world of food products. And when they so do there's that, little regulation. Right. So when they do that, there's even less regulation on how much caffeine can be in there, how much can be added, et cetera, et cetera. So wow. the whole reason why I say energy drinks is because you and I have talked about how for your mental health, for some people, caffeine can can be bad right well especially high amounts like correct one or two usually doesn't bother people but if you have excessive amounts or more than you're used to it can definitely heighten anxiety 
yeah, and make that worse. Right, exactly. And so if you don't know how much is in there, and let's say you're already a regular coffee drinker or a tea drinker that has caffeine in it, um, the whole point here is just be mindful of them because you don't know what, how, you don't, there's, it's very hard to know how much caffeine is actually in there. And you do run the risk of exacerbating your anxiety if you choose to down one or multiple energy drinks. Yeah. Okay. So that's number three. What is our fourth food? Number four, flavored applesauce. Um, such as like Mott's strawberry applesauce, um, which I'm sure I probably bought for my child, children when they were little. I did. I tried not to, but sometimes they see it in the store and I, was, I probably gave in. The problem with it is it contains red 40, which is an artificial color of food dye. Which food dyes in general have really become a hot topic yes over the last few years well and i this is what made me really start digging into the fda and questioning the fda several years ago when i noticed a connection in my own child with a certain blue dye oh yes yeah red number 40 and this this kind of apply what i'm going to say applies really to most of your artificial colors and food dyes things like blue number one yellow five or tartazine um, blue number two. So these artificial or synthetic food colorings are associated with hyperactivity, causing hyperactivity, you know, increasing um, ADHD in those that already have it or, you know, maybe may not have had it. I hadn't looked lately at the research. And they think it's because of chemical changes in the brain that lead to inflammation, which is kind of scary. For sure, especially considering that at some point in your children's lives, typically they go off to school and you really lack control over what they eat. Well, and that's what several of the newer studies have been saying is like, okay, a little bit of this, of red 40 or blue number two may be okay, but the, but children today are getting so much. So much, right. Yeah, right. so much than we thought they were. Right. So children with ADD may be more sensitive to, to artificial food colorings and dyes. That's maybe why it makes them temporarily more hyperactive. Now, this is what I learned in my research when I was looking up a blue dye a couple of years ago. I did not realize. The European Union, which is kind of like their FDA, yeah. Europe's FDA, they felt that the evidence linking hyperactivity and food dyes was so convincing a while back that they require foods with certain artificial colors in them to include a warning label that says potential adverse effects on activity and attention in children may cause. I love that. I mean, I, But isn't that shocking? I mean, they require a warning label. And we're just like, our FDA is just like, it's okay. Right. No, that is a really good point. Like, I think, too, about in the summertime how sometimes when we're on a road trip, my girls love to, or at least one of them in particular, loves to go get herself a slushy. At, oh, yeah. You know, and that's just loaded, yeah. loaded with yeah. that color. Well, and you're not necessarily safe when you buy organic products. If it's 100% organic, then it will not have synthetic or artificial food colorings. I never thought about but that. But a product that's partly organic 
or contains some organic ingredients may contain some synthetic food dyes. Well, and it would say, it would just say made with organic ingredients. And then when you look at the ingredient list, what they do is they asterisk typically the ingredients that are organic organic so that you know. So when you're looking for these particular dyes, typically they do come with a number associated yes. with them, like the a blue number, blue blank, number one, red. blue number two, red forty. Those are some of the most common ones. I'm trying to think. Yellow five. Sometimes the yellow five I've seen though is written. Um, I guess the chemical form of it is written out, and it's tartazine. Yeah, but it's just something to look for. Now, natural dyes that are come from plants, usually vegetable produce, vegetables and fruits, like. Beet, what beetroot or beet dye, yeah, or, or that one annatto, if that's even how you say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, those are not associated with this. Yeah, and manufacturers just like the artificial ones because they're brighter, they're more vibrant, they're cheaper. They don't have any flavor to them, like some may coming from plant foods, right? And they blend better. So I mean, and you think about it if you look at a can because. At least now, I think that this has become a little bit more like on people's radars and definitely in food manufacturers. So you do see food companies now making stuff, making their, I'm thinking of candy specifically with the more, you know, natural food dyes. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the the actual product, you can see a difference in like the vibrancy of the colors. Yeah. But... I will absolutely take a less vibrant blue and one that maybe does not turn my child's whole mouth Mm. a different color. Yes. Oh, and another place that a lot of times people overlook where you find a lot of food dyes is in, like, Gatorade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We actually, that is, the food dyes in those is actually why we switched to Propel. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow, I never thought about it. We don't drink a lot of Gatorade in the house. I think my biggest problem is sometimes with the desserts, the candies, the mm-hmm. slushies, the ice cream. Yeah. I mean, there are some ice creams that... Like the birthday cake ice cream. Yeah. Or yeah. there's one, I think, called Cookie Monster or something. I mean, it's it is blue. so bright blue. That color transfers all the way through the digestive yeah. system. Yeah. Number Next. five. This one, I think I might get some hate mail for this one. All right, canned soup, canned beans, canned vegetables. All right, this is a major bummer, and it's a huge hit on convenience. I do understand that. And at this time of year when we're trying to eat healthier and eat more at home probably and less out after a crazy holiday season, I'm sure everybody's like, oh, gosh, why did why did you just take that away from me? We know that those cans historically at least have contained BPA. And if you don't, now you do. Um, I can't ever say what BPA stands for very well, so I'm just not going to. I'm going to skip that one. Anyway, BPA is what's called an endocrine-disrupting hormone. And your brain is really, really vulnerable to these because what what they can do when they get into your body is that they can disrupt your hormone receptors, your nerve signals – they can um, affect your brain neuron like plasticity and and the best way I feel like to describe that I feel like Carolyn you would do a better job of describing plasticity than I would the run kind of like the like the the flexibility the flexibility or like 
the maintenance of those neurons to keep them healthy. Yes. Is that Thank what plasticity? You. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, I knew. I knew and that neurons your, are in your brain. Like, professor brain would yeah. would do this. So you want to keep your neurons happy. Yes, exactly. And flexible and et cetera. Endocrine disrupting chemicals are problematic for the brain. Now, BPA is one of those. And I'm sure you've seen now that there are tons of cans out there and water bottles and whatever that say BPA free or they say like phthalate free. Phthalate is another like endocrine disrupting mm-hmm. hormone. Yeah. A lot I would say a lot of canned goods have now gotten BPA out because they knew people I mean, there's still some out there. Right. But some of your major, you know, your major brands, they knew that people did not want products with them. Yes. And I commend them for doing that. Right. But so what's the problem? The problem is is now they're finding that they're what they're replacing them with also can be endocrine disrupting as well. That's kind of funny because we were so hell-bent on getting BPA out, but no one ever stopped to say, what are we putting in its place? Right, (laughs) exactly. And so, like, there's one that I kept seeing over and over. It's called BPS. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know why people thought, like, let's replace the A with the S, and all of a sudden that's going to be okay. But anyway, the point is, is that sometimes now what they are replacing them with can also be endocrine disrupting, which really stinks. Um, when we looked at endocrine disrupting chemicals in general and and their impact on the brain and then mental wellness, there wasn't a ton when it came to mental health specifically. Like I didn't see mm-hmm. some robust research. There are some large groups that say overall endocrine disrupting chemicals in your system impact your ability to handle stress. So mm-hmm. now we're talking about this is affecting everybody. Yeah. Not just people who are predisposed to mental health conditions. Well, I can say from an inflammation standpoint, in my research for my new cookbook, I talk about endocrine disrupting hormones. And they very much, you know, exacerbate any existing inflammation in your body. And as we know, inflammation and mental health. Yep. Bad combo. No, well, there was. I just want to say I did find this one really interesting study. It was done in animals and rats, which one would expect. But what they did was they exposed the animals to different levels of endocrine disrupting hormones, like none and then some and then like a regular exposure. And that regular exposure, what they found was it increased the depressive symptoms in mice. I'm not going to get into all the funny different ways that they assess depression in mice. I did read it, and it was actually highly entertaining. But whole point is, is that they were able to say that this, like, regular exposure increased depressive symptoms. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to do it in animals for the most part because we can't just say, hey, take these endocrine-disrupting chemicals and see what happens to you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, they're not going to do that. For sure not. Okay, so here's the thing is that if you hate me for saying canned soup, canned beans, canned vegetables, et cetera, are all problematic, I have a couple pearls of wisdom to share so that you maybe still like me. One is a lot of times you can find these products now in those Tetra Packs, those boxes, and those boxes seem to have fewer of these endocrine-disrupting hormones in the, or chemicals in them. I don't know these boxes, or I'm not sure what you're referring to. Okay, so think about how sometimes you can now buy soup in a cardboard box Oh, yeah, instead. like broth and stuff. Yeah, Okay. or you can buy uh, – I feel like I see more tomatoes. I don't. Yes. I can't. I can't recall a 
bean brand right now off the top of my head. But I do see tomatoes come in the boxes. Uh So you can look for that. Uh, Obviously, you can buy dried. You can buy fresh. Let's not forget about the freezer Mm -hmm. section. You can buy frozen. Or glass. Right, exactly. There's some soups now that I think they're trying to mimic mimic being homemade, but they're in glass. And that's a great solution. Yeah. So same thing at home, though. If you can store your stuff in glass, store your stuff in glass. Oh, so that's where I was going. You can find all these, like, you know, these products in other containers, right? Or you can go to the freezer section. But also endocrine-disrupting chemicals are in a lot of other places in our lives. And so if ditching canned soup, canned bean, and canned vegetables is an absolute, you know, non-starter for you, think about where else you might be getting exposure to these. So you get them from, like, grocery receipts. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of the dust in our house because our furniture and our cleaning products contain endocrine-disrupting hormones or chemicals in them. The key one is just not reheating food in plastic. Exactly. That's a big one. And not putting hot food in plastic. Letting it cool or putting it in glass. It's okay to store it in plastic from what I've read and gathered. But you don't want to put hot food in plastic or hot drinks in plastic. And you don't want to heat it up Exactly in the microwave. And similarly, you don't want to put those plastic products in your dishwasher if you can avoid it. Yeah. Because it can cause the plastic to break down a little bit. And then over time, those compounds will leach. So... You could really, we could really actually go down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've had some interest in in covering this topic specifically. You know I'm a big fan of, like, cleaner and safer skincare and beauty yes. products. And so that's another place where you can cut down your exposure. So, anyway, I just didn't want to scare all listeners off. I wanted to say that there were other avenues to cut down on your exposure to endocrine-disrupting chemicals. But... If you're relying really heavily on canned soup, beans, and vegetables, just know that that is a source. Yeah. And non-BPA does not necessarily mean not problematic in the future. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so those were just five that we thought were good to point out. And in each of these five categories or foods that we named, there are a ton of other foods that fall into, like, underneath them. Yes. And there are foods within that category that maybe aren't these brands or whatever that you can find – that don't contain right these like I'm sure there's probably a strawberry applesauce somewhere that maybe does uses a natural coloring, or even just has like a strawberry puree and it's like an ugly brown. Yes, yes, <laughs> I would buy it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so wrap up. We were gonna do some mom truths, but I feel like I've already shared a lot of truths in this <laughs> that weren't very pretty. It's been a while. I drink Coke Zero. I recently bought Lipton Diet Green Tea. (laughs) Yeah, I would say I love some of those uh, rice pouches that you can heat up in the microwave, and I'm sure that those are problematic. I'm now going to dive into that. Um, I already admitted to my love of hot dogs. I'm trying to think about what else. Well, and my kids, I just admitted that we... My kids love a gas station slushie. Oh, yeah. So we are not, uh, what is the word I'm looking for, immune to these items in our household at all. But it is something that I appreciate the reminder of them because I'm just more aware. Yeah. And hopefully 
especially if I'm in a period where I feel like there's just that much more inflammation in my life in my body that I would be a little bit more like oh, maybe we're gonna skip that well and for a lot of these we gave there are other options like, yes there are alternatives there are lots of alternatives okay well that wraps up this week's episode thank you for listening and we'll be back next week bye thank you so much for joining us for the happy eating podcast i'm Briarly horton and i'm carolyn williams if you liked this week's episode then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on itunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode we can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode bye, bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.